afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Thursday, August 23rd. I'm Gabriel, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Miss Kayla Beatty. Hey, G. Hey, fight fan. I'm good. I'm doing well. It's been a very interesting week without much MMA going on, but it looks like we're about to ramp it back up. So that is very exciting, of course. This week's episode is called A Duel in Lincoln, obviously referring to (laughs) UFC Lincoln. And we will be discussing the fight with Justin Gaethje and James Vick to conclude the show. But first, I heard we have a very special birthday that is being celebrated. Kayla, why don't you tell (laughs) us who is the special somebody celebrating? Aw, you're so sweet to give her a shout out because she's here in the room with me right now. And she's saying, I don't want to come on the show. But she says, thank you so much, Mama Bear. We're up here in Big Bear celebrating her birthday. So thank you for that shout out, G. You just made her smile. Uh, well, hey, you know, happy birthday, Mama Beatty. I hope you are well. Thank you for being a fan <laughs> of our work. And yeah, so really, look, just shouting out, a lot of fun. But Kayla, we have had a very, very interesting weekend of MMA and a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's get right into it. Bellator 204. And the main event was Darian Caldwell moving up to 145 to take on Nawad Lahat. And Kayla, Darian kind of was all systems go. I felt like Nawad came in there looking to just hang with him. And he just didn't seem to have an answer for the skill set of Darian. What were your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, he looks good. I mean, when you see someone move up or just, you know, try to move into a different division, and especially when you're already saying you have plans to have a champ versus champ uh, title fight, we want to see a dominating performance like that. And I think, like you said, you know, he just used the skills that he has, uh, taking the fight to the ground where he uh, felt comfortable. I know Nawad, I believe after the first round, his team thought maybe they could just edge him out a little bit. Um, wait to go in those later rounds but he was able to finish the fight early and um, you know get that win what did you think of his performance yeah I mean I keep saying this about Darren Caldwell is that he is in a tough spot being in the Bellator Bantamweight division historically they just haven't really had that big influx they haven't been able to produce their own Marlon Moraes and other guys you know it's really been one of the more just to say bluntly, more forgotten divisions for Bellator. But you got to mm-hmm. understand, this is a guy who's fought at featherweight in the past. And at 5'10", he's a, taller than both TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt. And he's got a very unique style, skill set, and body type for 135. And I think that's why he just kind of gets forgotten a little bit. He almost has like the Demetrius Johnson problem that He's a good guy, but for so long, his competition just people feel is just behind him. So I think that Mm -hmm. that's really why Darian flies under the radar. But he's a very talented guy with his wrestling. And you could tell he's just unafraid to go for the different stuff, head kicks, spins. He controls the range very well. And I think that for 145, because he's taller, I think he was able to probably just keep a little more weight on and he was able to handle the move up just fine. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, for those reasons that you said of wanting to build that division, that's where I can see them argue, you know, maybe we should have a champ first champ fight just to get people excited about those smaller weight divisions in Bellator. Yeah, well, the 145 champion who, by the way, just this week on Twitter, he just... How would you put it? He wants to spill the tea. He just wants to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm following him and I'm like, damn, Pitbull. But um, yeah, so he was very vocal. I did read this tweet that he did a better job promoting Dominic Cruz versus TJ Dillashaw than his own fight. But I'm not going to. I'm going to leave that to the (laughs) side. He says he wants Patricio Pitbull, the featherweight champion, a champion versus champion fight. Pitbull actually shot back at him and said, I'll fight Darian, 
but I'll move down to 135 because I'll be a double champ, not him. What were your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that here's how, what I think. I get it. Nobody wants to put their belt on the line for this and where you could possibly be a double champ. It's like, why would you do that? Of course, everyone wants to be the one that has the possibility to hold those two titles. I think looking, I how I try to decide of um, you know who should be the one to get that opportunity to win both belts. I think that um, it should be looked at as, as their resumes. So I believe Pitbull has a little bit stronger of a resume, and I've got, and then I guess too you know maybe looking at who they fought, their level of competition. That's how I'd look at it. So. Right now, I think that I would favor Pitbull being the one to go down and, and possibly win those two belts. But I see why there's such a, you know, the politics come into play with with making these um, double champion fights is, of course, both guys want to be able to have that on their resume and, and have that on their record. What do you think, G? Um, uh, here's the thing. First, what, is he serious or is he just kind of trying to you know put his finger in Darian's uh, chest a bit he is a very uh, I'll say he's a little bit shorter and stouter guy he's fought 155 in the past can he have a good safe cut and be competitive at 135 would be my first question um I agree with you I feel like uh, Patricio has a little bit more of a leverage to say that you know what if someone's gonna get that shot it should be me but I also got to say that Darian is the one who's made the move. Darian is the one who is saying he wants to be a yeah, double champ. True. Yeah, and moving up. So I, I think that, that there's an argument argument to be made there. Um, you could argue that because Patricio hasn't fought at 135 before in Bellator, that he should have to prove it the way Darian just did. But once again, he's also a guy, he's been the man at for the featherweight division for so long that it it really is a toss-up between the two, but I would agree with you that Pitbull has more. I think, though, you know, it's going to be about what makes the most sense. Do you want to have Darian leave the Bantamweight division, or do you want to have Pitbull leave featherweight? That's the big one. So, Mm -hmm. and then also for Darian, and this kind of segues into our co-main event, but Let's say that doesn't happen. I want to say that uh, Pitbull does still have business with Emmanuel Sanchez. What's going on at 135 while he waits? Obviously, there was a big shakeup, but then we talked about it. Michael McDonald is right there. Michael, unfortunately, undergoing hand surgery. Is he going to stay at 145 just because Bantamweight now kind of doesn't have somebody is he going to just wait on the sideline and see if someone pulls out? I think that's going to be a very interesting question for Darian Caldwell. And of course, we kind of expected maybe we'll have a new Bantamweight contender, but instead we might have arguably the biggest upset of 2018. James Gallagher <laughs> versus Ricky Bandejas. Ricky coming in in his Bellator debut to take out James Gallagher. Kayla Every fighter seemed to have an opinion about it. It made Sports mm-hmm. Center. What were your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, I mean, that was the thing is even Caldwell said, I need somebody like uh, James Gallagher to, Gallagher to come down to this division for all those reasons you were saying, just because of maybe the lack of competition or, I guess, buildup of fights. But, um, yeah, it was an upset. I mean, one, I think it was great to see uh, someone make a debut like that. Of course, now everybody knows Ricky's name. Like you said, it made it to Sports Center, and in the fashion that he did it, I mean, bold and how um, you know uh, maybe trash talking. This is why it's a it's a dangerous and risky game plan because you can be embarrassed a little bit and humbled this way in the fight game. It's brutal. But we do have to talk about Ricky's skill there. I mean, he really fa- figured out that range and his accuracy. I mean, he he looked really good. I'm, I'm excited that we have someone like him in the division. Um, but, yeah. Look, I like James Gallagher. I, I actually really respect the way that he handled his, um, handled his defeat. 
I think that he probably is a nice guy and um, is kind of trying to keep that momentum of, um, you know, the Conor McGregor attitude and confidence coming out of that gym. But it is very risky because someone can put you away and put you away in that fashion where the memes, um, you know, like you said, the, the replays of the video and the knockout, that kick to the face, it could just be really brutal. Yeah, you know, to me, the, the thing about James Gallagher, I, I understand that he, he's trying to play the game. He's trying to talk the talk, walk the walk. And he's trying to really jumpstart his career in a time where everybody, you know, is trying to stand out. I get that. I think to me, the biggest thing about him at seven and one, 21 years old, he's such a young guy, Kayla, that I, I almost felt like I felt like he wasn't there yet. I felt like he was really getting a lot. I feel like there was a bit of the Conor McGregor just residual effect on James Gallagher. Oh, he's young and Irish, talks trash. He's the protege. And people were talking about James versus AJ McKee and all this. And if I'm being honest, I felt like James Gallagher isn't on AJ's level yet. James Gallagher is a young up-and-coming guy who still has work to do before you're putting him in there with 11-0 AJ or talking about Pitbull or yeah, Caldwell. And he's talking like he's already right there. And I'm like, do you have Ireland or are you just Irish and hoping they will be behind you? Because, and I said this before, yes, Ireland and the fan base comes out for Conor McGregor. Do they necessarily do that for everybody? Are they as passionate about Artem Lobov or others and just... Uh, I think Artem may not be Irish, so my apologies. That's my that's big question. Yeah, that's kind of my question is like, do you really have all these things that you are claiming you have if you were to fight in Ireland or this fan base? Now, you know, in terms of Ricky Bandejas, just all systems go once again, just really, like you said, the accuracy. It seemed like every time James was ate a shot well, that there was just more coming. James didn't know what to do. He couldn't really stop that momentum coming at him. And I think that Ricky just had a brilliant finish. The face kick, the ground and pound. All of it, of course, just magnified by the fact that you have that clip. Um, I don't think it even made it to TV, which was unfortunate. But when James Gallagher enters the cage... He walks right up, not just meeting Ricky in the center, but he gets right in Ricky's face in Ricky's corner, and Bellator posted it on Twitter. And you see the aftermath. All of that makes it really rough. Now, he did say, look, I'm still young and at the top of my game, et cetera, et cetera. I'm glad that he has an attitude to say, I want to get back in there. But this was a tough one. This was one where it's like, I'll say it like this. They're saying to him, son, you just had it handed to you. <laughs> if you want to talk trash right now, it's not going to come out looking the best. So I think. And does he best. does he stay at 135 or does he go back up to 145? I mean, it will be interesting to see, you know, where he wants to continue his career. I mean, I don't think that maybe this loss should keep him away from 135 if he feels like that's his more natural weight class or where he can um you know build his name because like you're saying 145 I think has a lot of a lot of potential of new guys guys that have been there for a while I think it is deeper than 135 where I thought it was actually a pretty good game plan for James to move down to 135 there that to me would make more sense of him getting a title shot sooner than at 145 so I, I do kind of hope he stays there um, because I think the skills are there, but I, I like that you said he's just more of a, a he still needs to grow as, as an athlete um, to follow up that talk. But that's what I like that he said is this might've been the best thing that happened to me because it kind of just checked him of slow your roll kid. Yeah, of course. I think that, <laughs> oh, I think you cut out just for a second there, but did you have any more to say about James? 
no, that was the Halloween. Oh well, I want to talk about him on the M or the VMA carpet. Okay. Oh, but I was gonna say I agree with you on 135. He's a breath of fresh air. Um, and I think uh, when you look at 145 with AJ Emmanuel Sanchez and Pico coming up, um, I, I think that it's just a better move. Also, when I look at his body type, I feel like it just suits him better. I think that he's gonna be fighting guys with considerably more firepower at 145 than if he were at 135 so i agree with that move too but yeah the the vma red carpet so clearly this was done with the expectation that he'll beat ricky bendahas and of course you know just the best laid plans as you could say he loses badly but he's still out there in new york what were your thoughts about it yeah i think you know we we know how these things work it was set up you know, in, in advance and, and way before this fight, but it is interesting, um, I guess, just to see who they're promoting and who they're putting on the carpet. Um, again, I guess just the way that he sells fights and, and, um, has his fan base, maybe they wanted to have that personality represent them, um, for Bellator along with, um, you know, a couple of other athletes, but I, some interviews and see if anyone in the entertainment world had watched his last fight and brought up the finish. I think um, even when I saw, because he went with obviously um, flyweight champ Lima McFarlane, uh, I feel like there were not the big outlets didn't actually talk to them. I even only mm-hmm. saw Lima do like one interview on social media. So I think that they, they just maybe got a bit of the photo treatment. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Look, he's, they're very, I'll, I'll be honest, it's very tough for Bellator right now because you're competing with the personalities of the UFC and the star power there. And when I look at Bellator, I mean, are there really guys that you could put up there? Like, look, he's a great fighter, but is Rory McDonald the guy you want on a red carpet? Is he the most mm. outgoing? Same thing for a Gegard Mousasi. I think that that's a bit of a challenge and maybe James Gallagher being a young, outspoken, brash kid, maybe that's why they really wanted to get him out there for them. I mean, I guess it is what it is, but I agree with you. It would have been very interesting to see how, you know, how does he handle being on TV and talking about it? I think that the MMA world treats you very differently than the entertainment world, but, uh, you know, and I do. Like this is a business move. Go ahead. I do want to give Bellator props because I feel like I love that I saw Liam on the red carpet. I think that um, Bellator is doing a great job of marketing and giving their athletes opportunities like this. There's, I don't understand why UFC fighters aren't being invited and in, in kind of cross promoting in the entertainment world with the new um, purchase of the UFC. But mm-hmm. I really like how they're promoting Alima, um, the women's flyweight division. And uh, just getting them on the carpets like that, because, you know, the VMAs are like that. It's supposed to be fun, a mixture of athletes, celebrities. um, So I think that it's cool to see Bellator kind of um, put some of our some of the fighters in a different setting, I guess. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, look, they are trying to push. They are. I don't ever like to use the word competing, but they are aware that they are in a similar business, so you have to make moves. And Scott Coker has always been that guy. Um, You do still got to give credit. UFC, at the end of the day, does have their people on Dancing with the Stars and Chopped and other networks and all that. So it's tough, but I agree with you. I think it was a great move by Bellator and... I hope we. I hope it's a sign of things to come, to say the least. Moving on, we had plenty of MMA news. This one drawn a bit of, you know, controversy. Yoel Romero says he's not fighting Paulo Costa, so Romero went on the Helwani show to say he's still recovering from a broken orbital he suffered during the fight with Robert Whitaker in June. He says that he is planning to stay at 185, even though he hasn't closed the door on moving up to light heavyweight in the future. And he did say he could return later this year, possibly very early 2019. And he's down to fight Paulo Costa then. 
But Kayla, the reason this one is drawing some criticism is that Romero is saying this, but the UFC had already announced the fight with Paulo Costa for Madison Square Garden. Um, first off, what are your thoughts on him and the recovery? And then, of course, the big question, what do you feel about the UFC announcing the fight despite, you know, this health update? I mean, man, it makes me want to watch that last fight with Robert Whitaker again. What a war that was that it put both did with these injuries. But, um, yeah, I mean, one, I, I'm the fight with uh, Costa got everyone excited. I love that there's a fight for Yoel Romero that gets all of us on the edge of our seats. That's one that we have to see. I love that both guys are down. Again, I think it's just I don't know why there's a lack of communication between fighters and promotion. I mean, I get it. There's a lot of athletes. They're busy with a lot of fight nights going on. I, I think would probably what, I mean, maybe Yoel Romero thought he was cleared and would be okay. And you never know, especially with something like an orb, orbital injury. Maybe he went back for a checkup and, you know, they found something wrong with his eye and said, oh, hold up. We need actually to have a couple more weeks of recovery. And that is a very serious injury that you don't want to play around with so I'm assuming that maybe it was you know another checkup with the doctor and they found out that it's too soon to come back it is a disappointment of course and unfortunate because they already teased us with this fight but I'd rather him take care of something like that and and fight healthy yeah um for me uh I think uh, when you talk about a broken orbital just um you you want to just take care of yourself I mean you're talking about Paulo Costa. The man might be the only one in middleweight who has more muscles than Yoel Romero. And that's yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah. So um, I think you got to address that. I like the fact that he said, look, as soon as I'm healthy, he can get some. That gets me excited. That's saying that's sending the right message. If this is what's going on, the thing about it and people have brought this up about the UFC. This is not the first time this year. They've done that move where it's like, hey, this fight's happening. And the fighters are like, really? You know, uh, we haven't got we haven't put pen to paper about any of this. And of course, the effect that happens is like, this is a big fight. People are excited when it doesn't happen. People are like, well, which fighter didn't want to fight the other guy? Because very often it's a matchup where, you know, somebody has something to gain and the other one, you know, looks afraid if they don't take it because it's like, okay, who's the real fighter who's like, all right, I'm down. I guess I'm fighting so-and-so. I don't like that this is going on. And Dominic Cruz had a very interesting comment the other day on the, well, not MMA hour, but Ariel Hawani's show. And he said, it's Dana White's job to make you think he's your friend. For example, he brought up the fact that Dana White said, told TJ that he thought he won. Dominic Cruz said to Ariel, guess what? Dana White told me he thought I won the fight with you also. <laughs> yeah, That's kind of his job. And I think the thing with the UFC, it's their job to make fights. And that is the whole point of their entire business. None, nothing gets sold unless you actually have guys get into the cage in big fights. That being said, this is one of those business moves that's like, come on, man. It's just not a good look. It, you know, you're trying to keep brand loyalty at a time when it's something that's very controversial right now. Uh, I really wish they would go against it. And you and I have had this conversation. I'd rather, you know, not find out about it and find out it was in the works because when it doesn't happen, you get disappointed. I'd rather not go through that rather than you trying to tease us and say you're making these fights and it doesn't happen. But we also have to look at it too is I'm sure they don't mind taking one or two hits a year where we saw it. The news was a little dry this week or in the last couple of weeks where maybe announcing a fight just to stay relevant and having all of us post about it and the media write up things about it. I mean, it, it might just be also another business tactic of trying to just stay relevant and let that, let the public know of what they have planned and, you know, doing that once or twice of, oops, we announced it a little too soon, but it's still coming. 
um, you know, it could just be another business move too, which you just got to look at the big picture of business is business. But I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like it either. Cause we get all excited and then we talk about it for 20 minutes on the show and then we actually announced. Exactly. It's like, hello, we could have talked about page fan sent talking about picking out a wedding dress. Come on. <laughs> I didn't see that, but that's cute. No, but um, look, uh, this stuff. I mean, um, like you said, how nice to me that I don't know if there's many MMA shows where the guy wants to talk about Paige Van Zant saying yes to the dress. So that was a sweet shout out <laughs> for our female <laughs> listeners or male listeners that also like to talk about wedding dresses. She's a lovely <laughs> girl. I hope that she is so happy and they live happily ever <laughs> after, and she feels like a princess. How about that? <laughs> yeah but um look i mean just uh there's other stuff they could have announced so i think that's just where i'm at um i i hope they break this habit i'll just leave it at that one because i think a lot of people just really don't like it and then in terms of paulo costa like every other middleweight ahead of him is already booked most of them actually on that madison square garden card I like that he says he wants to wait for Yo Romero. I think that's a very fun fight. He admits mm-hmm. that there is nobody else that's bigger available with Robert Whitaker fighting <laughs> Kelvin Gastelum after Tough. I like mm-hmm. that he wants that fight. And we just saw him in July. If this fight happens in December, January, I think that's that's right on the bubble. But that's a okay wait. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think so, too. I think you kind of have him pop up around maybe around the Connor and Khabib fight as far as just showing his face, keeping him, you know, on and keeping him fresh and on people's mind. And I think that, like you said, he just fought in July. Um, it seems like they might have been able to put this fight together. So maybe Yoel's recovery, like you said, he'll be able to fight by December or January. It sounds like it. his recovery isn't, you know, going to be uh prolonged too far so i like that he's waiting for this fight i think he sees how hyped everyone got for it too so it'd be silly to go do something else he sees that this is a fight that could sell and it's a big name in yoel ramiro people are going to tune in so i think it's smart on his uh, move and why not why not prepare for yoel ramiro as much as you can yeah for real like i i just want to see the weigh-in the face-off just both of them just jacked square off with each other i think that we're gonna talk about that's gonna be a photo that i think we'll talk about forever it's like have there ever been two more muscular guys getting that cage do you think it's gonna be a battle of the dance moves because we know yoel has those those dance moves that he likes to bust out in open workouts wouldn't that be amazing if costa did it too I think that Costa talk to his Brazilian brethren. He's going to call up Anderson, Leoto, and he's going to bring in the squad and they're going to put on a show. That's what I think. <laughs> I, think I hope they choreograph something and walk out to it also. I'll give you that one. I'm just picturing Magic Mike dance moves, so we should probably move on to the next segment. Well, I can let you enjoy that visual if you want. <laughs> um <laughs> No, just so moving on. I'm sure to look at just a lot of muscles going on. I get it. Um, <laughs> moving on to back to Bellator real quick. Michael Chandler choosing to re-sign with Bellator. So we know that he entered free agency. I want to say about earlier in the summer. I, I don't want to say June, maybe early July. But mm-hmm. it was announced yesterday that he signed a new deal with Bellator. He had he hasn't really had a official statement but he did say that he was looking for the company that would promote him the most offer him the most money and what was the best deal for him we know that he had he's a guy with options he argued he you know that ufc talked to him probably or he or he talked to them uh pfl undoubtedly one ryzen undoubtedly but he chooses to stay with bellator it's come out that Bellator was very aggressive. They pushed hard to get him back, and they got the job done. Kayla, he is 32 years old. I want to say that he's been a Bellator champion since around 2010, 2011, quite some time. Um, this, 
this is a big contract. You're talking about Michael Chandler in the prime of his career. And not to mm-hmm. say that when this contract is over that he's going to be done or washed up. But I think you have to acknowledge that this is probably the last contract where Michael Chandler is at the top of the peak in terms of his skills, his physical condition, and is just at the height of his powers. So this was a very big contract. What do you think about him choosing to stay with Bellator? Yeah, I love that we're covering this because it had a lot of people talking. I think that, look, we know that he is one of the best lightweights in the world. He's saying he believes he is the best lightweight. And I think that so many fans just wanted to see him fight in other promotions, especially the UFC, just to confirm that, just to see that level of competition because we've seen him in Bellator. And I think that that's what a lot of fans maybe are a little, um, I guess, I don't want to even say frustrated, but, you know, there might be some lack of excitement of him signing with Bellator because it's like, well, how many exciting fights and matchups does he have in the Bellator lightweight division? Um, But I really, one, I think it's great when a fighter is pretty honest because I feel like he is about saying, look, I'm going to, I'm going to look at it as a business um, from business standpoint here. I got to take care of me and mine. And, you know, like you said, who's going to promote him better? Who's going to pay him the best? You know, we know that they already are underpaid athletes, so he's got to take care of himself. I really think, because he's mentioned it, especially, you know, a few times this year, I really think that he's going to fight a few more times at lightweight, and then we could see him make that move up. And I think that it kind of gets me excited, actually, because it makes me feel like him and Bellator must have sat down and had a discussion and game plan, because I don't think he wants to just stay in the lightweight division and fight there for another couple of years and just, you know, produce, I guess, average level fights. I think that he as a competitor wants to keep being uh, tested as well. So the reason why this signing has me a little excited, um, you know, I would have liked to see him go to other promotions, but I think that this just means maybe Bellator will be opening that 165 division or maybe he'll be moving up to face some of the welterweights which will be interesting because we know that that's a stack division. What do you think, G? Yeah, you know, him choosing to stay, I think that um, they had to have offered him a great deal. And I, I asked him in person, like, hey, man, you're a guy with options if you hit the free agency market. What's important to you? And he said, look, he's not stupid. He saw what UFC did for Eddie Alvarez what it's done for Mm -hmm. Justin Gaethje. And he had to address that with his team. Like, hey, if I go, I could become that guy with the UFC brand behind me or something like that. I think, though, at the end of the day, what's realistic? If you were to sign with UFC today, look at the lightweight division where it's at right now. You are setting up for Mm -hmm. Habib versus Conor. Tony Ferguson will be coming back. Dustin Borier, Nate Diaz are both right there. You're not talking about an immediate title shot if you're Michael Chandler. You're talking about probably jumping in between about four and seven in the rankings and fighting guys right there. And you might not even, even if he wins a fight or two, you could arguably be saying he's still not going to get a title shot in the next year. That is very tough for a guy who's at it in his prime. That's very tough for a guy who's been killing it for so long. But you got to understand that with the UFC's business and their stars right now, that was probably the reality of what he was looking at. Now, like you just brought up brilliantly with Bellator, he's right there. Um, You know that Brent Primus or the lightweight title in general is what's next for him regardless. And then you're probably Uh talking about the freedom to move up to 170 super fights. He could probably go back to 155 anytime he wants and fight for a belt if he vacates. That is a very, very big thing when you also consider the fact that they are paying him a lot of money to make sure he's still their star. I think that that's Uh probably what influenced his decision at the end of the day in his prime, possibly becoming a two-weight Bellator champion compared to just maybe having to grind now in UFC when he's already been at the top in Bellator. I think that's what really informed his decision. I'm okay with it. Now, at lightweight, there are very few fights for him. 
you could argue that if Brent Primus didn't have the belt, it wouldn't be a sell. There's a lot of that stuff going on. So I think that that's something he has to address. I think that if he wants bigger fights, you've got to get creative about where they're at because I think that he's already fought the biggest fights that are available right now for Bellator. So I think moving up, if it doesn't happen this year, it's got to happen next year immediately. I think that he's just waiting to get that lightweight belt back, let some of the mm-hmm. welterweight Grand Prix happen, and then he's making that move up. But man, all of the great fights that he could have been matched against in other promotions, I think that's what has the fan base just kind of throwing their hands up of, oh man, we really wanted to see those, but who knows, maybe down the line. But I think like you said, just because of where he's at in his prime and just, um, you know, looking so great in all his fights, we want to see, you know, the most competitive matchups, but yeah, I, it's, it's, it's exciting for Bellator because it makes me feel like we got a little bit of an inside scoop of what the business plans are. I really don't think that they would have him. He'd go back there if he thought he was just staying at lightweight. I think we really have to be optimistic about a new division opening up or like you said, him having some super or, you know, maybe two title fights. So going up into welterweight or all just going against all of that competition. Yeah, I think, um, and Scott Cooker said in the release that they are looking at, you know, what are their big plans for Michael Chandler and what what are the biggest fights for him? So I like that. I think all of that is a good sign. Um, Man, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier would have been awesome. Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson. Oh, what might have been, right? That's really it. Right. Yeah, so, but look, uh, we're going to be seeing him around. That's the biggest thing. He's mentioned if Eddie Alvarez comes back to Bellator, who knows? A lot could be coming up and a lot could be going on. All right, so moving up, we have a very interesting week or two weeks, really, of crossover callouts. The biggest one, undefeated boxer Gervonta Davis made headlines calling out TJ Dillashaw for an MMA fight. And that drew interest in a possible crossover bout. Kayla, you also have other stuff, these celebrity boxing matches, and they talk about MMA. The biggest one, um, Logan Paul, who the controversial guy fighting KSI in a celebrity boxing event in the UK. (laughs) Kayla, I actually had people in person wanting to talk to me about that one. That is how big those two are. It's, um, It's quite an interesting market. And they had a press conference. They actually had quite a sizable crowd just for like a pop up event. That's what really blew my mind. And um, you look, we've had other fighters weigh in. George St. Pierre said, uh, Look, I get the business. I get why you would want to have a celebrity fight just to bring in numbers. But just if you're going to do it, say that it's a celebrity fight or say it's a one-off fight. Don't insult the credibility of the other fighters who are doing this. So I I like that he's brought this up. My question to you, Kayla, if there is a market for it, people are going to pay, people want to watch, should the big companies like your Bellator and UFC be taking these kinds of celebrity fights or these one-off fights seriously if there is money on the table? to get you know i think well one i don't think that the boxers wanting to cross over to mma should be looked at as the same as a celebrity fight because i think that boxing is one of the major parts of mixed martial arts and if you have that skill and you're already working that hard in the gym i'm gonna assume that you have a pretty good chance as long as you are bringing in the right people in your camp that you could actually hold up pretty well in, in a mixed martial arts, you know, f- uh, or against a mixed martial arts and about. So I do think that those are two separate things that we should look at. Um, and I think that those two worlds, we can't deny, and we know as media, we're seeing them cross over um, and kind of collaborate more and more. We have Oscar De La Hoya wanting to open up his, or he is, he's starting his own um, 
mixed martial arts promotion. So those worlds are going to collide, whether it just be that, hey, half the card is going to be boxing matches, half of them are going to be MMA fights. Now, as far as the celebrities fighting, I think that, yeah, as long as you call it, like you said, call it what it is. It's a one-off fight. It's a fight between some celebrities that maybe wanted to train um, or maybe trained in an action movie and want to actually take a fight for real. You can throw those in. And maybe you can even throw them on the main card if you really are trying to sell a card. Just call it what it is. I don't think any of them should be fighting for titles. Um, I think when media, when everybody is talking about them, they should be talking about it as, uh, you know, like almost like how people discussed this last CM Punk fight. The first time around, everyone was kind of talking about him, the, putting him in the same level as someone who's been training in MMA for years. The second time around, we are calling it what it is. Here's a WWE guy who's going to try and, you know, put more work in the gym and let's see if there's improvement. We, As people were tweeting about his fight, everyone was just really honest about it is what it is. He, you know, he shouldn't continue in MMA. It was just a couple of fights to sell the card. So I think as long as you look at it that way, then sure, why not? Yeah, to me, the thing that stands out is that if you're going to have these celebrity fights, how and where? So um, with the boxing stuff, um, if you train anything besides takedown defense, I think that you are being very badly trained. And I think you need to change the people around you if you're going to step in that cage. Let's say that. Or you have some kind of unspoken agreement that you're going to stand and bang with an MMA guy. That's another story. Um, but with celebrities, the way I see it is that if there's money on the table, okay, if you're going to do this, you got to do it right. Calling it what it is is a big step to it. My thing, where do you put it on the card? For example, pay-per-view. How big is the celebrity if you're going to do this? If you're talking about yeah. having them in the UFC, honestly. Okay, are you putting them at the top of the pay-per-view? How are you treating it? I think that all of that, I think that um, here's my creative idea, for, and especially tying into Logan Paul and KSI. These guys are huge where? On the internet, on social media, on these things mm -hmm. where you don't usually pay a ton of money to watch. I think that if you're being, okay, you really want to do this. I'm not going to put you as the co-main event to Conor McGregor, Habib Nurmagomedov. But if you're serious about UFC, hey, we're trying to sell new ESPN Plus subscriptions. We're trying to sell yeah. maybe the Zone subscriptions. You want to fight, we'll give it to you, we'll promote you, but it's going to be on the app. It's not going to be on TV. Now, hey, these guys could bring in business for that. And if they get a cut of the revenue, maybe that's worth it for them. But I think to have it on pay-per-view or something like that, like I'm sure they are thinking about, I don't think that that's going to be very enticing. I think that for the fans of MMA in particular, that the majority are going to be like, you know, you could do your sideshow things somewhere else. If I'm going to pay so-and-so amount of dollars, I kind of want a better fight where they're actually going to bring it, not you possibly just throwing a few punches and not getting hurt and I paid to watch it. So I think that's the real issue that you're going to see. Or, you know, maybe Happy Medium, you're going to fight on like a Fox or now an ESPN card that's just on cable TV. I think that would be the And what I like about that, what I like about that too is, you know, UFC, it's supposed to be the top promotion where the top mixed martial artists compete. So that's like someone stepping in for an NFL game just because, oh, let me try and play football with all these top athletes. You do still want to keep the, you know, integrity of the sport. And if it's just starting to become a circus, then people aren't going to take the sport as serious either. So I think that's a good way to avoid it. But it's just interesting because it, I really think it's case by case, too. When I think about someone like a Wiz Khalifa fighting, Supposedly, he's been training for a while, and people say he can really hold up in the gym. So if he wanted to fight, I don't really look at that as being someone – like, I could see that um, him being, I guess, held to the same level as someone coming off a Contender Series, you know, episode. 
I think that that he could. So I guess it's just case by case with celebrities too, of really what's their background and of how long they've been training too. Well, for one, I think that if Wiz Khalifa were to fight anybody besides 50 Cent, that it would be a crime and a tragedy. Um, but um, I think that uh, the, the issue with it, I think, is that celebrities, would, if they're like, yeah, I try UFC. Think about that. They'd only want to do UFC. If you honestly said, hey, yeah. we're not UFC, but we're Bellator, would you want to? They might be like, nah, not really. That's my big they issue. They just want to be able my... to say they did UFC. Yeah, fought in the UFC. Yeah, and it's like, uh, okay, you know, you got to be honest about how this game works, especially for the fans who would want to watch. Or, hey, promote your own sideshow. Hey, I'm going to fight so-and-so in MMA. Um, buy it on YouTube pay-per-view. And it's like, all right, that's another story then. But um, if you want the brand behind you, you're going to have to play the game. And I think that celebrities at these levels – they tend to not they tend to feel like they're they're going to be used a bit and so they're going to choose against it rather than you know live their dream so i think that's what happens moving on we do have an exclusive interview for this week coming up on saturday we also have bare knuckle fc2 a new era and i was on hand to talk to the queen of bare knuckle rowdy beck rawlings um, Kayla, because it's always conceded to just go into your own interview, um, you watched what I, you know, the interview as well as what I wrote in speaking with her by phone. Just talk to me about what you learned and what you thought of the interview with Beck. Gee, I have to be honest with you. I knew I forgot to watch something because I didn't bring my laptop. So I didn't get to see your in-person interview, but I absolutely read the first interview you had with her so don't be mad at me i will watch it as soon as i hang up with you well um (laughs) go ahead (laughs) no i i'm i'm trying to recall back to the the written one i think um what i really liked is i like that i it's been so hard for me to get behind back rollins because i think again she's in a division that um I guess it's kind of hard to make your name. And I think that she's just had, for some reason, she's got kind of lost in that roster. I think she had a nice like run in the beginning where she kind of had this star quality and kind of fell, fell off a little bit. So I like that she has moved to a different new promotion that has some hype surrounding around it. And now she's being called the queen of bare knuckle. I like that. And I like what she uses her platform for of being really honest about her background and the hardships that she's had to go through as a woman in the sport. I love that she, you know, uses any interview or any time that she's um, discussing stuff to bring those things up. And, um, yeah, I remember her, I remember in your interview her talking about possibly going back to Invicta, too. Yeah, you know, with Beck, yeah, I think that'd be exciting. Um, when I talk with Beck, I think that um, the first thing was she is a very disarming individual, both in person and on the phone. Um, <laughs> like a lot of people, like I saw a ton of tattoos and I'm like, I wonder what she's like in person when you have that much ink, not just on your body, but on your face and everywhere, too. I think you become an interesting individual when you make those decisions so sweet and bubbly and i think that's the first thing is that you know if you take time to really get to know beck rawlings she is quite a lovely individual um there was a lot going on obviously that you know she still wants to come back to mma and that is in her plan but bare knuckle called and it was reinvigorating she loved it she got to be part of something new and it's been that kind of jump start. She feels better physically, her body and everything. And she talks about, you know, going through MMA and just, you know, it was a rough end to the UFC because she had just made the move to flyweight and she'd been going through other issues leading up to it. It was quite a lot. And now to be the queen of bare knuckle and to really be the one who is creating a style, she feels like she has a very unique bare knuckle style that's not just boxing without gloves or not just MMA without grappling and kicks. She really feels like they are on the cutting edge of something and that other people are going to follow suit. And when you watch her and how successful she was, you kind of tend to agree. 
Um, the second part of the interview was the fact that she actually had a very big article come out on the Player's Voice. For fans who are unfamiliar, the Player's Voice is a site in Australia that is very similar to America's Player's Tribune, where these high-level pro athletes write pieces themselves and post it on this site, kind of like cut the media out of it. This is a direct line to the public from us and you've had guys like LeBron James, Kevin Durant and others yeah. like and Beck was on the Australian equivalent of it and she discussed her history. Um, she had mentioned it before but it obviously got more exposure talking about her background going through domestic violence and coming out the other side as well as talking about her career. It was a very big piece, very uh, raw and um just a lot to think about when you consider who Beck the fighter is and how tough she is. How could she ever be someone who goes through that? And she's been very vocal about it can happen to anybody. And that's why I tell my story because I wouldn't want anyone to feel like it's their fault or it happened to them because of these XYZ reasons. It can happen to anyone. And if I can inspire one person that you know, to get out of it or help them with it, then it's done the job. So I just had so much respect for her for sharing that story and to learn about that at a time when she's going through this renaissance in her career. It was very um, refreshing. And she's a great character. She's a very exciting fighter. Um, even in MMA, when she was taking losses, she would go out there to bring it. So I think she's going to have a great fight on Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, and I think one thing I wanted someone to ask her is, even the girls, I feel like every fighter wants one of those famous bloody picks. And I feel like if you're going into the bare knuckle, there's a good chance you're going to get that. So I wanted someone to ask her, like, did you just go to bare knuckle because you just wanted one of those bloody picks where you went through a war? What's crazy? I feel like she's somebody. <laughs> even for bare knuckle, she didn't break her hands. Like she, oh, she did good. like two rounds and was like, I, and like, there was just some swelling from hitting, but nothing worse than I go through an MMA. And I was like, damn, uh, she's, uh, she's one tough cookie. I got to say. So that one's coming up on Saturday. I'm sure that, um, you know, if we fit it into it, we can mention how the results went. How did she do? So that'll be a lot of fun. But, of course, this Saturday is also going to be another night of UFC action from Lincoln, Nebraska. Miss Kayla Beatty, why don't you tell us about our exciting main event with one of our favorite characters? Yes, Justin Gaethje is back, and it's an important fight. It's a fight with buildup. It is against James Vick, who is 6'3", I believe, at, at 155. Um, yeah. Crazy main event. I mean, we know that Justin Gaethje is now, is it two losses or three? Two. Two losses since he joined the UFC against tough competition. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, we all are wondering, okay, how is he going to go into this fight? Even though he's Justin Gaethje with the star quality, he's even mentioned, hey, I don't want to, I, I don't like this new losing streak I'm on. It's not what I'm used to. I don't want to keep fighting and, and taking this damage if, you know, I don't see that I'm, don't feel like I'm going to have success in the UFC. So there's just a lot of stuff going on with this fight leading up to it. And then we have James Vick, who, you know, might have a chip on his shoulder too of wanting to win some of that star quality. He has some big wins over some uh, tough competition. Um, and he kind of started started to add some fuel to this fire of saying he's gonna, you know, destroy Justin Gaethje, put him in retirement. So you know, there there's some buildup going on in this fight here. But then stylistically, I think it's just going to be very interesting to see whose game plan um, works. I again meant to watch more of uh, James Vick's fights in the past. Um, I really wanted to see how he's worked against um, wrestlers or just people trying to take him to the ground and take away that height um, because we know he uses all of that, you know, lateral movement to get out. But I think really what it comes down to, everyone is expecting Justin Gaethje to use that wrestling. It's something we haven't seen. It's something that everyone's like, why didn't you use it more 
um, you know, in your past two fights, you have supposedly have those skills there. But um, I think Kenny Florian and Michael Bisping put it uh, into words perfectly. He's he's used this one style of being that gritty fighter and just going in there and, you know, taking all that damage um, and giving us those exciting fights for so long that it probably is hard to turn that off. Um, so yeah, I'm just excited just to see how he goes in with this game plan. If he can pull it off, G, how do you predict this fight going? I want to know who you predict winning. Um, and just where do you think Justin Gaethje's heads up? You know, when I listen to Justin Gaethje, he's just a very cerebral individual. You think he's just going out there to brawl for dollars, which I love that phrase, but, um, look, he, was asked, like, are you going to change your style? And then he said, that's my prerogative. I'll worry about it. So <laughs> as if to say, maybe, maybe if I feel like it on Saturday night when I get in there and I throw the first punch, maybe I'll feel like taking him down. You really don't know. And I think that's a great move because it keeps James Vick wondering, what's he going to do? Um, I think that at the end of the day, Justin Gaethje wants to stop the losing streak he wants to get back on the win column he knows he has a very difficult guy to prepare for in such a tall rangy guy multifaceted like james vick so if i had to predict i think that when you talk about forward pressure because he wants to take away the range right it's going to be close the mm -hmm. distance and against the fence not so much try to beat him down but maybe initiate the clinch maybe try to put james vick on yeah. his back I think work like that. I don't see him trying to take James Vick down in the center of the octagon with a double leg. I think it's going to all be from the fence in the clinch. Also from there, if he wants, he could always just switch it up and go back to brawling him, try to wear him down, use kicks. The thing you got to... All right, fans. Sorry for the technical difference. Um, to just wrap it up, I was saying that Justin Gaethje... He can, you know, either way, he's got to close the distance. I think that if you're James Vick, you've got to keep him at the end of it and you have all the physical tools and skills to do so. It's just going to be, you know, how can he avoid taking the damage because, you know, Justin Gaethje is going to be willing to eat a shot to land it. Um, Kayla, in terms of who's going to win it, um, this is a very winnable fight for both men. Mm -hmm. Uh James Vick could easily get him out of there, but Justin Gaethje, I think with the veteran experience, his skills, he knows every trick in the book out there. It's tough. I think that at the end of the day, Justin Gaethje is going to fight with some special kind of fire to stop that losing streak. I have him taking a decision. I think he's going to just wear down James Vick over time. And I think it's just going to be, um, I, I think he's going to have to work for it, but I think that he's going to be able to pull out a decision. What about you? Yeah, I don't think that James Vick, using the tools that he has, I don't think that he's going to be able to frustrate Justin and kind of stump him. I think that Justin is someone that is capable of having his corner not necessarily like physically slap him in the face, but just say, Hey, change up that game plan. Let's throw in the wrestling. Let's go over, you know, the different things that we discussed. I think that he's going to be able to figure James Vick out. Um, but I do think, and then there's something about the way that James Vick is talking. I kind of feel like all of the, I'm not necessarily trash talk, but just the way he's talking about wanting to retire Justin Gaethje. I get, I don't believe it so much. I feel like he's kind of trying to tell himself and hype himself up a little. So I just think with, like you said, the experience of Justin Gaethje, just where he's at in his career, I actually do see him finishing this fight. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I think that he is someone that need, needs and wants a win. And I don't think he wants to leave it to the judges. Um <laughs> So I do see him finishing the fight, but I think it's going to be a little bit later, like in the third or fourth. I think he's going to need a, a little bit of time to figure James Vick out just because of his skill set and uh, crazy height in that division. 
All right, all right. I like it. So we're going to go with Justin Gaethje for the win. Um, Chopping uh, down that tree. Hmm? Chopping down the tree. All right, I like that. Real quick, what did you think about the Homer Simpson comment? I did not see the Homer Simpson comment or hear it. What did? What was it? He said James Vick says that Justin Gaethje is like the Homer Simpson of MMA. You know, like he just kind of goes in there and takes so much punishment like Homer Simpson when he tried to like box or fight in some episode. He just took a beating. Oh, I mean, I guess that's funny, but I I never was a huge fan of The Simpsons and I don't know what episode he's referencing to, but I'm assuming that it's uh, definitely a dig thrown at him and Homer Simpson isn't really the best character I guess to be compared, compared to, to. <laughs> That's what I, thought. I mean I thought it was clever like well definitely haven't heard something like that before so I thought that was interesting but yeah look it's gonna be a fun one um you have some other names coming back tomorrow so or sorry, on Saturday. So it'll be a lot of fun. And of course, next week, we will be recapping all of that action. It'll be a lot. And we move forward. We are getting closer to Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till. So we'll start to hopefully see some news about that. And it'll be a lot of fun. Kayla, one more time, a happy birthday to Mama Kayla Beatty over there. (laughs) And I hope you guys have a great one. Kayla, where can fans find you on social media? She says thank you. And fans can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they check out your stuff, G? Well, tell her you're welcome, fans. You can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double. And we'll be back next week.